Bonjour, amigos. Welcome back to the fishbowl. Glad you're here. It's Fish B over there on the bass guitar. I'm Bob over here. This Venezuelan coup attempt is one of the fucking weirdest stories I've ever heard in my whole fucking life, and we're going to explain it the best we fucking can. Three early fucks. That's a, that might be a record for, uh, for earliest, for earliest fucks. So congratulations there. But confession first, I feel weird today. Just, just fucking weird. Um, I'm in a very strange place mentally right now. And... I think it's okay to talk about because I honestly forgot that May was Mental Health Awareness Month. Everything is kind of dwarfed by the once-in-a-century global flu pandemic. But I forgot that May was Mental Health Awareness Month until today. So I'm calling another Audible on today's show. Not as odd as a 35-minute story about three pennies, but if you're going to tell a story, tell a story. 35 minutes, three pennies. But, and I really hope you trust me here, because I need the freedom to elect to do something different whenever that's what I feel and that's what I think is appropriate. And again, I, I just hope that you trust me to deliver and, and come back to us uh, five days a week, so. Thank you for your trust in advance. But I am having a day. Speaking of mental health awareness month. Because me and the doctors, it's not just the doctors, I can't blame it on them because, you know, I went along with it. But my meds change today. And... If you deal with mental illness, when you start changing the meds, those are very strange times because you gotta, you're not gonna feel real good at first. You gotta adjust and give it time, and then you might not feel good after you've taken them for like a week, and then you gotta get the shit out of your system, and that takes days. It can be, uh, it can be arduous. But right now, I, uh, today's the first day. I'm in the midst of a two-week-long experiment, and based on how I'm feeling today, it might be a one-day experiment. But in discussion with all my doctors, we have decided that adding a very low dose of extended-release Ritalin might actually help me a little bit, help me... uh, Stay just just a little bit more focused, a little less scatterbrained, and also help with some of uh, the mood swings associated with rapid cycling bipolar disorder. And if there's a chance that, and I'm just taking like a little kid dose, I'm taking what they would give to a first grader. Uh, It's an extended release. It gives me 18 milligrams over the course of 12 hours. It's like nothing. But if it, even if there's a chance 
that it increases my daily focus by 1%, thereby making the fishbowl 1% better, then with reluctance, worth a try. It's, it's worth a try to me. I actually thought it over for the last month. They brought it up last month. And I told them I would I, I would think about it, but but I decided to go along with it that I'm willing I'm willing to try. Just because remember our theme for the year, and we haven't hit this for a while. We don't do New Year's resolutions, but this year has a theme, and it's the old Buddha saying that the difference between heaven and earth is an eighth of an inch. So we're constantly seeking out ways that we can make ourselves and make the show and make the world, make our community just 1% better, because those things start to add up after a while. But candidly, I feel fucking weird. I fucking hate this shit. They had me on Adderall once before, uh, many years ago, and and mostly I would just... um, uh, you know, it, it would just it would just get me super high, but they were giving me like thirty milligram Adderall bombs, and those would just those would just make me high. And then I uh, you could al- you could also barter with them for for other drugs. So um, don't tell law enforcement. Um, I don't feel bad. It's not it's not that I feel bad, but I don't feel good. Either I just I just I just simply don't feel like myself, which is which is concerning, because for those of us that require multiple meds, uh, a drug cocktail, and I take Depakote as a mood stabilizer, uh, Seroquel uh, to slow me down at night helps you sleep. It's also an antipsychotic medication. I take Clonopin for panic attacks. That's a benzo. I take Gabapentin which uh, helps, uh, helps the brain a little bit, those with mental disorders, and also helps with nerve pain, so it kills, uh, kills two birds. And I take something called Perzosin for nightmares. That's my drug cocktail. And now they've added this um, first-grader dose of, of extended-release Ritalin. But for those of us that take these drug cocktails, it's Mental Health Awareness Month. Adding or subtracting... Any med change, it just, it changes our brain chemistry. That's what it does. That's what these drugs do. Changes the chemistry, changes changes our brain processes, changes our brain function, which is obviously a huge deal, because even when we talk about head, heart, soul, we're just talking about our brain. Our brain is everything. That That's where everything happens, is in the brain, not to oversimplify things. To illustrate the point, no matter what you're doing, touch something, touch anything, something, anything that you're not touching now. If, if you're driving, t- touch the dashboard, touch a seat. If you're, if you're in bed, t- touch the other side of the bed or a pillow. Or if you're with a friend, uh, uh, grab their genitalia, whatever you, whatever, just touch something different than your, uh, than you're touching now. Did you really feel that, though? In your fingers? Did your fingers feel it? Or did your brain just tell you 
that you felt something. Why do amputees often suffer phantom limb pain in part of their body they no longer have? The brain is everything. I'm going to do my very best to work through this because we don't have a choice and I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe after a few days, I can't even tell I'm on it, but I feel a little bit more focused and and I feel good. And I guess, uh, I guess we're going to take, uh, take that chance, but, uh, but by necessity today, we're going to, uh, switch things up just, uh, just, just a little bit and, and just for today, um, the finale has has called in sick. I know, sad, but how how can a finale call in sick? I would. It's you're right. You're right. That doesn't make sense. We're just gonna go with it. The finale's called it uh, called in sick, and uh, Fish B has graciously uh, graciously um, been nice enough to uh, to set down uh, his instruments for uh, for the remainder of, uh, of of the show, just so I. Uh, so I don't get fucking confused, because I feel kind of confused. Thank you, Fishby. You're the man! You're the man! Uh, but I really want to talk about um, something that has been deemed fishbowl-worthy, because it's, 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 it's just crazy as fuck. And because we're in the midst of a once-in-a-century global flu pandemic, these times of tumult, we're running out of meat! Uh... This story isn't getting the play it deserves. This attempted coup in Venezuela, an attempted overthrow of the government, that's a coup, in Venezuela is fucking crazy. And is this a CIA job? Or even stranger, were these two former special ops dudes just just freelancing? Highly unlikely. And two Americans are now in custody. But let's start at the beginning. Why does the USA care so much about fucking Venezuela? I mean, it's just fucking Venezuela, right? Well, Venezuela is one of the most uh, oil-rich and mineral-rich countries in the world. And that's why we care. If they weren't, would we give a fuck? No. No. No, probably, probably not. But because they're oil-rich and mineral-rich, we definitely care. Uh, Nicolas Maduro is the current repressive president-slash-dictator, and the U.S. has even put a $15 million reward out there for Maduro's arrest as a narco-terrorist. And then the hand-picked American successor... Juan Guaido would then take charge of Venezuela. So there's two Americans in custody. We're going to go through this whole thing. The two Americans in custody are Luke Denman, 34 years old, and Aaron Barry, 41 years old, both retired special ops. They worked together in Iraq and Afghanistan. Luke Denman just appeared in a confession video on Venezuelan TV where he says that ultimately President Trump ordered the entire operation. But remember, it's a confession video. 
the operation was dubbed Operation Gideon and allegedly being run by a mercenary company called Silver Corp, founded by a former Green Beret named Jordan Goudreau. The two Americans who got this gig through Silver Corp, who then the CIA will we'll get there. This, this is going to get real fucking weird. But the two Americans in custody arrived in South America on January 16th and, uh, and worked out of two safe houses in Colombia where they trained 60 mercenaries that were Venezuelan exiles living in Colombia. The plan was bold, to say the least. So these two Americans and the 60 mercenaries that they were training, all they had to do was take over an airport, secure the sector surrounding the airport, build a communication tower, then American and international planes, but mostly American, could fly in weapons and have an airport to fly an arrested Maduro to the U.S. That was the plan. That's Operation Gideon. What could, what could possibly go wrong? It sounds foolproof. Trump is saying that he knew nothing about it. Juan Guaido, the president-in-waiting, is saying Maduro made the whole thing up as an anti-American and anti-him propaganda storyline. But this thing starts to get fucking weird. Does Trump have a connection to this Silver Corp and founder Jordan Goudreau? Yeah, there is a connection. Silver Corp has been contracted for security, even though it's kind of the Secret Service's job. But, secrets, or, but Silver Corp has been contracted for security at multiple Trump rallies and events over the past couple years. But were they really there working? They were there. But were those essentially shell gigs? They have them show up. They can put some expenses on the books and pay them, even though they weren't really, not for the work they were doing there, but for the work they were about to do in South America, in, uh, in Venezuela. And according to an AP report, Associated Press, do you remember the name Keith Schiller? Does the name Keith Schiller mean anything to you? Remember the name? He was Trump's long time, like long time, been with Trump forever, like head of security and big time confidant and more of a fixer than Michael Cohen. Trump even brought him to the White House at the beginning of the administration. And uh, he is the guy, Keith Schiller, that hand delivered the letter firing Comey to the FBI. That's Keith Schiller. Shortly after Keith Schiller left the government. In May of 2019 in Miami, so just, uh, just a year ago, Keith Schiller 
had a meeting with Jordan Goudreau of Silvercorp and reps for Juan Guaido, and Guaido himself allegedly teleconferenced into the meeting they had there in Miami. Supposedly, there was an eight-page contract that was already signed by Guaido to pay Silvercorp $213 million to oust Maduro. So Silvercorp starts working with a retired and defected Venezuelan army general in Colombia, who, by the way, is wanted in the U.S. for narco-trafficking. And apparently Silver Corp never got the $213 million. I don't think that was an advanced payment. I think that was for after Guaido had his hand on uh, all the Venezuelan money when he's in power. So if he got power, then he would pay them the $213 million. Because the operatives in Colombia, the two Americans and uh, the ragtag exile uh, mercenaries they were forming to take over the airport and the sector and all that shit, um, they weren't operating on a very big budget. According to the AP, they were scrounging for donations from Venezuelan exiles who were Uber drivers in Colombia. It's the only place they were getting any money. It was from Uber drivers, like the leftover they had that their family didn't need. And it didn't get much better from there. Um, As soon as they got uh, to Venezuela... Everyone was captured after a failed assault in the coastal city of LaGuara. And now these Americans are captured and they're on TV making confessional videos and things are fucked up. So, is this a botched CIA job? Because this is... This is definitely within the CIA's purview, but you would think if it was the CIA puppeteering this thing, it would be a little bit better run, and they wouldn't be getting their money from exiled Uber drivers. But maybe they're just saying that. Maybe maybe that's just a story because the CIA and USA is trying to have some plausible deniability. So is it a bot CIA job? Or... A botched plot orchestrated orchestrated by Juan Guaido, the president in waiting, and uh, and and his rebels, or this is a possibility. It seems unlikely, but maybe. Or was it just some former special ops Americans playing cowboy in South America because they wanted the fifteen million dollar reward for arresting Maduro? Seems like a like like a dangerous proposition, but uh, wanted to get everyone up to speed on this because this is uh, this is definitely a story we'll be following. I find this uh, this is interesting, and if this was a CIA job, I find it so highly unlikely that on some level the American government if not directly orchestrating it, didn't know exactly what the fuck was going on. That's why we have intelligence agencies. We got to get these Americans back. 
Who do we have? It's prisoner swap 30. How do we get these guys? Who do we have in jail that Venezuela wants back? And can we, ha- can we have our Americans? Or do we have to call off the $15 million bounty we have on the head of the current dictator president of Venezuela, Maduro, to get, to, to get these guys back? Because we, we can't just have them rotting in Colombian, or excuse me, in Venezuelan jails getting, 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 getting tortured. So anyway, so we're, uh, we're following this. This, uh, this coup story is, uh, it's interesting. In, uh, in other news, just real quick, this will actually be in place of, uh, of the artist formerly known as Paleta Bola de Fuego and the finale. Uh, just something, in other news... Things that uh, things that caught my eye today, and most of these aren't good. Um, new study: um, one in five U.S. kids aren't getting enough to eat. The richest, most prosperous country in the history of the world, and one in five kids aren't getting enough to eat. Where the fuck are our priorities? In other news, Trump is insisting on painting the border wall black. Probably not because he's a big metal fan, but Trump is insisting on painting the border wall black at a cost of $500 million. Because when you're this much in debt, what's $500 million? Adele... Have you seen the pictures of Adele? No photos for a while, and now we see her, and Adele has lost 100 pounds, and Adele looks very different. She kind of looks like Ariana Grande. It's weird. And in other news, as previously mentioned, America has a, has a meat shortage because the virus is spreading around all these meat packing plants, and then they got to shut them down, and then the meat distribution is all Fucked up because schools and restaurants aren't buying as much shit. And Wendy's has no burgers. Or at least at least a bunch of them. And in other news, this, this is starting to sound a lot like uh, Colbert's segment, uh, Meanwhile. So forgive me for that. This is uh, the last one and probably the only time we'll ever do this. And this is the last thing. Um, when, when the news crossed last night that the notorious RBG was in the hospital with an infection. That that scared the fuck out of me. I'm like, oh, no, you don't. Oh, no, you don't, RBG. You hold on. You've only got till November to go. You cannot. No, no. You've made it this far. You lift the tiny weights. You got the personal trainer. You've beat cancer four times. You cannot be in the hospital with an infection. It was infection related to gallstones, but when someone of RBG's age has an infection, it's not good. She says she's going to be fine. She just keeps on going. She's, but that was uh, that was scary. That was scary. That uh, President Trump and Mitch McConnell both got the biggest boner they've ever gotten in their entire life. And, and think about some of the ladies that Trump's been around. But they got the biggest boner in their entire lives when they heard that RBG was in the hospital with the infection and then got limp very quick when they found out that, uh, that she's going to be fine. And fingers crossed, Mantis has prayed, RBG, we love you. Hang on. 
Hang on. The only thing hanging in the balance with your life is the future of the Supreme Court for the next 30 or 40 years. That's all. That's all. It's a lot of pressure to, uh, to stay alive. All right, my friends, that was... Um, sorry things were, uh, were a little different, but uh, like I said, um, I, I'm feeling different. They're messing with my meds and... So this is uh, this was the best we could do today. I I will make you that promise that that no matter uh, how much uh, we deviate from the traditional kind of uh, fishbowl format and the show you're accustomed to, um, I, I I will always do my best. There will there will never be a day when I when I half-ass it. There will never be a day when I phone it in. And I know some days are better than others. That's just the way creativity works. But uh, again, thank you for your uh, trust in me, and we'll get through this, and, and, and we'll see what happens tomorrow. Right now, I'm leaning towards not even, not even taking another one of those pills. I just, I don't, I don't, I don't like it. I don't care for the way I feel right now. So anyways, uh, I love you so much. Uh, back manana with chapter 459. Fish B, would you like to say adios? Oh yeah, no, uh, no guitar. You put the instruments away, but that was close enough. That was that was, that was close enough. Fish B, would you would you like to say anything else before we go? Cool. We're yeah, back tomorrow. Adios, love you.